Hello, everyone. I'm Taylor Hutchins, production manager at St. John's Lutheran Church, and welcome to part one of a two-part Advent series on Palestinian Christians' perspective regarding the current Middle East crisis. Welcome, everyone, to our Conversations That Matter podcast. Um, Since the Israel and Palestine war began, there have been calls for ceasefires, release of hostages, but we haven't heard much about repentance. So today we're going to discuss an open letter created by 12 Palestinian Christian organizations. The title of this letter is A Call for Repentance, an open letter from Palestinian Christians to Western church leaders and theologians. I'm Reverend James Demmel, a pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in Salisbury, North Carolina, and joining me today are the Reverend Dr. Munther Isaac, academic dean of Bethlehem Bible College in Palestine and pastor of Christmas Lutheran Church in Bethlehem. Also with me today is Dr. Mike Connor, a member of St. John's Lutheran Church. And so I would invite you both to jump in and just introduce yourselves. Yes, hi, uh, Pastor James and Mike. Uh, my name is Munder. I'm a Palestinian Christian pastor. Uh, I pastor the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church in Bethlehem and the Lutheran Church in Beit Sahur. Uh, and as mentioned, I'm also the academic dean uh, of Bethlehem Bible College. Um, and uh, among the many things I do, I, you know, involved in many initiatives that are concerned with justice, uh, truth, and reconciliation, peace in uh, in Palestine and beyond. And uh, I'm Michael Connor. Uh, my my first visit to uh, Palestine was in 2012, and I've I've been there seven times. Uh, two of which I was able I had the privilege of living in South Hebron Hills for three months with the World Council of Churches program, ecumenical company program, where I uh, uh, lived with a vulnerable, a vulnerable a marginalized population uh, of Palestinians, as well as uh, three months with my wife in the old city, Jerusalem. Uh, we were uh, volunteering at a Homo guest house run by the Sisters of Zion. So I've been blessed with um, developing friendships and uh, colleagues from both uh, among the Palestinians, which would include uh, Muslims and Christians, as well as uh, uh, peace activists, uh, Jews, Israeli Jews, uh, who have a heart for uh, Palestine as well. And I have uh, been involved in this in this ministry only for about a year. Earlier this year, we were lucky enough to lead a pilgrimage um, to Bethlehem to see, to cross the wall, to see um, and to be in the homes and make relationships with um, many Palestinian Christians at our partner church, Christmas Lutheran Church. Um, and, and this work is, is vital. Um, the situation in Palestine is... Uh, certainly not um, in accord with God's 
God's reign and God's hope for our world, God's God's ministry that he has entrusted to us as Christians. And so um, we're going to turn now to this letter, um, A Call for Repentance. And Pastor Munther, can you give us some background um, about how this letter came to be? Yeah, thank you. Um, the letter was uh, written by a number of Palestinian Christians and then circulated uh, to all these organizations, eventually 12 that signed it, um, a week or two after the war on Gaza began. Uh, the war on Gaza was and is and continues to be uh, very difficult, traumatic in its own, and we're horrified by the images of death, destruction, uh, and suffering, um, and we were uh, uh, outraged and broken with, uh, I remember uh, at the first uh, few days when the hospital was bombed and then the church, the Orthodox church was bombed and uh, even 18 people were killed in that bombing. Um, and as we were, you know, processing uh, ourselves here in Bethlehem, because, you know, Gaza is just uh, very close to us and it's our people, the Palestinians, including relatives of ours, uh, uh, relatives of church members who were killed in the bombing and thousands are being killed. And we monitor and we receive, we read what churches, especially in the West, are saying about the war. Uh, and we're appalled. Uh, we are outraged uh, for several things. Uh, the lack of understanding, uh, the lack of sympathy when a Palestinian is killed, let alone thousands of Palestinians are killed, uh, and the unconditional support and adoption of a single Israeli narrative uh, as if our, you know, there is only one side of the story uh, as opposed to ours. Uh, and then there is the theological uh, support. Um, many churches, many Christians feel that uh, if you are a Christian, you must support Israel. And uh, even in these times, um, this was clearly reflected, for example, uh, in the words of the new uh, House Speaker uh, in the United States, who uh, said uh, in a very simple and plain uh, language that uh, as a Christian, we believe the Bible teaches very clearly that we are to stand with Israel. Uh, such statements are you know, let alone the theology of it, and, and we can discuss the theology, is this good theology or not? Uh, but these statements are very problematic to us, uh, especially as Palestinians, because they give the indication that you are to stand with Israel, be it right or wrong. Uh, and as such, uh, we see the result of this theology now, in that uh, as Israel continues its assault on, on Gaza and uh, I wouldn't hesitate even calling it a genocide in Gaza with more than 13,000 killed to date, including more than 5,000 children. And I th think we need to pause here and, and let that sink in, 5,000 children. Uh, yet, uh, many Christians still feel we are to stand and support, uh, stand with and support Israel because the Bible tells us to do so. Uh, and so you see, uh, this is why we think it's 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 very problematic it's very problematic on multiple levels. There is the theology, uh, there is the human side in which theology and Christians are uh, ignoring 
uh, actual war crimes as attested by many. Uh, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Palestinian, uh, but at, at the same time, finally, these views are harmful to our own existence. Uh, these views put us in, in, in danger. Uh, right now, we as a Christian community are a very small community here in, in Palestine. Uh, our numbers continue, continue to decline because of the difficult uh, reality on the ground, living under occupation and apartheid, means people get tired of this constant restrictions and discrimination and leave. Uh, and even with the war on Gaza, uh, the wall on Gaza, we, most of us fear, will signal the end of Christianity in Gaza, uh, the end of one of the oldest Christian community uh, in the world. Uh, and it makes us wonder, does the Christian world really see us? Do they care? Uh, and this is why we wrote uh, this letter uh, with a very clear language. Uh, we're calling Christians not just to understand, to, to sympathize, but more, more you know, to repent because this is not the first time we're speaking and with the horrors of the crimes that are taking place, I think repentance is the right word. Mother, why, or Pastor Mother rather, why is this letter then addressed specifically to Western church leaders and theologians? If, if we need to repent, as you say, and I think you say rightly, uh, where do uh, where does our leadership come in and how we've gotten to this point? Yeah, I think um, there are multiple things that we address in this letter, why we think there is a serious uh, problem. Uh, and I, I try to, you know, I touch some of them in my introduction and, and my first question, uh, beginning with the idea of uh, this theology that gives unconditional support to a single people, a single state, a single nation. Um, and that we've seen the results of that support. Mm -hmm. um, Christians have been supporting a system, a regime, a state that for 75 years have been oppressing Palestinians. Uh, and uh, in the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza, we've been living under a military occupation. Gaza itself has been under a very, very severe siege for 16 years. Uh, we, you know, people continue talking about the horrible, the horrors of what is happening in Gaza right now. Yet let us keep in mind that Gaza was hell on earth before October 7th. Um, and so the lack of empathy with Palestinians, and right now we're beginning to question openly and seriously, does the world see us as equals? Does the Western church see us as equal? Do Western Christians look at Palestinians as equal? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not asking just for sympathy as a Palestinian Christian. I'm, I'm saying, do you see us as Palestinians as equal people? How is the world still silent with this massive uh, killing? Um, and you look at the, uh, the, the amount of double standards uh, that is part of this uh, war. Um, at the one level, when... Uh, Russia attacked civilians in Ukraine and civilian infrastructure and cut electricity and water, uh, this was immediately called a war crime, even evil, by politicians and church leaders. 
Yet when this was done on the Palestinians by Israel as, as a collective punishment, uh, churches and politicians repeated the single the, the narrative that Israel has the right to defend itself. Uh, so uh, this uh, hypocrisy and double standard, I would say, is really, really problematic to us as uh, as Palestinians. And the, the other thing we call is uh, the lack of understanding whether on purpose or not. Uh, and in the current events in Gaza, what we feel most people missed, and uh, as I said, some do it on purpose, some even, you know, maybe uh, uh, by ignorance, which is ignoring the context. And one of the things we insisted in this call is that things did not start on October 7th. Uh, this is not an attempt to justify October 7th. Uh, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. Now, I, I, I truly believe in the words of Jesus, do to others what you want others to do to you. Uh, as a theologian, we've always believed in the... Uh, gift of non-violent uh, resistance. We feel that this is what uh, the gospel uh, calls us to. Um, and uh, no one can, under any circumstances, uh, justify or approve of the killing of children, people in their homes, or the kidnapping of children and family. Uh, but by the way, this has always been done to us Palestinians, but no one said anything. Even, you know, many children uh, have been arrested and continue to be arrested uh, over uh, over the years in Palestine, but no one says a thing. That's another thing. Um, but when we talk that this did not start in October 7th, our message is you have to understand why did we get here? How did we get to this point? This is really important. Uh, October 7th did not occur in a vacuum. And again, this is not to justify it. But if we fail to understand it, then I think we contribute to the problem. Uh, and I'm talking about the immediate context of 16 years of a very, very brutal siege in which, and, and look at this, the number of calories were calculated. Even the number of calories that Israel allowed to enter to Gaza were calculated. It was a very strict and brutal siege. But then the wider context of 75 years of displacement. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, you realize that 70% of the people of Gaza, 70% are actually refugees. Refugees from 1948. So just think of the, the trauma these people have been going through from 1948 until today. They've been displaced once, now uh, their children or grandchildren are displaced again. Uh, so this is... You know, this is inhumane for a people not to find a home and continually to be uh, uh, displaced. Uh, this is what we mean. You have to understand the context. And by the way, if we believe in the international law, these Gazans have been granted the right of, of return uh, to their homes where Israel was built. So Israel was built on the ruins of their towns and villages. They were granted the right to return, but this was never fulfilled. Uh, so talk about injustice, continuous injustice, and now they are being displaced against as uh, more than half of the building complexes and houses in Gaza have been displaced. I think 1.3 million people are now uh, without a home in Gaza. Just think of that. Um, so 
this is, you know, we, we continue to say you have to understand the context. Now, if you don't want to understand the context or if you want to uh, uh, give your unconditional support to Israel, what do you do? Uh, you blame it on radical Islam and you blame it on anti-Semitism and you say it's because they hate the Jews. Uh, and this shows how now even history is ignored because you're offsetting uh, as Europeans and Westerners your long and 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 shameful history of anti-Semitism into the Palestinians, making it as if it's our problem. Uh, Palestinians are fighting Israel not because we're anti-Semite. Uh, that's wrong. That shouldn't be the, that shouldn't be said. Rather, we are fighting our occupiers, our colonizers. We were in our homes before 1948 in our towns and villages. We've lived here for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. And then the Jews showed up, immigrating from Europe with the idea of establishing a homeland for the Jewish people on our land. This is why there is uh, violence in the land. This is why Palestinians have been resisting this notion because we lost everything when Israel was created. But if you want to ignore this uh, and to make it, uh, you know, to give it support, this war on Gaza, you say, well, we're fighting evil, we're fighting terrorists, we're fighting anti-Semites. They hate the Jews. Uh, and as you do so, you dehumanize and demonize uh, Palestinians. You promote a very simple, simplistic narrative that uh, makes you better than others, righteous than others, and makes this war righteous. So you see what I'm doing, Michael? This is how a genocide has been justified right now not just justified, but people promote it as a righteous war, as a just war. Uh, uh, evangelical theologians and others have written how this is a just war uh, with the notion that Israel is defending itself. Uh, you know, we are the ones who are occupied. We are the ones who lost everything. Uh, yet, uh, all of a sudden, Israel is defending itself against us. And I say one more time, this is not to justify October 7th, uh, or the killing of children and kidnapping of children. But this is to plead with Christians who've been doing this for years, blaming it on, uh, on you know, demonizing the Palestinians and ignoring the context, making it a religious conflict, blaming anti-Semitism, and as such, continuing to give support uh, to what Israel is doing uh, in the land today. Uh, hence the... Uh, frustration, maybe you sense in the letter, the urgency. Uh, and to be honest, you know, it, it's time people pay attention to the Palestinian plight, to the Palestinian side, and as well to the Palestinian theology uh, and Palestinian Christian uh, take of, of things. Absolutely. Um, as you have said, and as you, uh, as we can see in the letter, um, one of the notes is that the deep regret that some in Palestine have resorted to violence, sparking this sort of October 7th event and this war um, that has followed. But just because some choose violence, right, does not justify a Christian retaliation and violence, does not uh, justify um, a, a violent response politically in return. And that is seemingly what is happening with uh, this war going on now. And so um, 
my question. Yes, especially as we see how what is happening right now uh, clearly, and I don't know, I honestly don't know what you're getting in, in your media, but clearly what we're seeing, what we're hearing from the ground are reports of bombing schools uh, that are sheltering people, even hospitals. Uh, we are devastated beyond imagination by the number and the of, of children who were killed, but the images uh, of these children, because we see these images. Uh, we see uh, on, on, our, on our screen, literally, uh, uh, children who are, you know, parts, body parts, uh, and huge numbers. We see the mass graves right now in which they are just writing the name on a plastic bag of the person uh, and, and burying them. And we see the big number of bags with, you know, what the title is body parts because some of these bombs completely destroy uh, the body. It's horrifying. It's horrifying and makes us wonder, how is this self-defense? How is this? Uh, anything but retaliation and revenge and uh, destruction. How is destroying Hamas and as the declared purpose of the war and, um, uh, 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 you know, releasing the hostages justify or how does it, you know, how do you make the destruction of this huge amount of building and the displacement, as I said, of more than one billion, uh, million Palestinians? And what shocks me is that no one's talking about the aftermath, not, not necessarily as who's going to build or pay the bill, but the aftermath psychologically uh, on this huge number of children without parents or parents who lost their children. Do you think after the war they will say, oh, let's, let's love Israel and make peace? I mean, this is creating, this is killing the hopes and dreams of many. Many will leave. Uh, many will go to despair and many, I'm guessing, will go back to violence, seeking revenge because, you know, when will the world realize, when will Israel realize that violence only brings violence and more violence? This is definitely not a way to deal with the reality. Has anybody even thought about justice to the Palestinians, dignity, human rights? This is what, what shocks us right now. A self-fulfilling a self-defeating prophecy then. Violence always is. The victims of violence get trapped in these cycles, it seems, um, that lead them to perpetuate violence in the future. That's certainly true on the world stage amongst nations, and it's certainly true in individual situations and in individual homes. We see cycles and patterns of violence that tend to repeat themselves across generations. And so uh, we wonder then um, if violence is ever if retaliation is ever the appropriate response to violence, or if it just leads to more and more violence response. Um, Mother, thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts in this letter. Um, Michael, I want to turn to you now. Um, there are a number of, of really powerful things in this letter, and I know you've had this powerful personal experience and journey of of having been to Palestine several times, of having uh, made and formed these wonderful uh, personal relationships among fellow Christians there, but also just the people of the land that maybe even aren't um, our brothers and sisters in faith. And so um, I, I wonder to you, as you read this letter, what stands out the most to you? Well, for me personally, um, 
in uh, there, there's a, a part of the letter that talks about um, history of regression. Uh, but what really stood out for me was uh, what occurred in the United States that I would say was somewhat from an American vein, uh, similar, but not to the same uh, uh, horror of October 7th, but uh, 9-11 in this country um, a little over 20 years ago. You know, we had uh, the shock and of, of what occurred there in New York, Pennsylvania, D.C., uh, the horror of that day. Uh, most Americans who are over, uh, uh, you know, they, you know, uh, that can remember that day, remember exactly where they were when they heard the news, etc. It was one of those days that uh, will always be etched in your memory. But uh, the letter itself, uh, a call for repentance. Um, I could identify with it. I could identify with when that occurred, uh, the call that we had to destroy uh, Al-Qaeda, uh, that the United States was called to uh, hunt down weapons of mass destruction. And I think today, before October 7th, there was a lot of uh, consensus in the United States that uh, there were mistakes made with regard to what we did after that war in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, a lot of uh, you know things that if we had to do it over again, even even from an a from a bipartisan political uh, strategy, we would do things differently. Uh, but that whole era was uh, destroy uh, people, uh, destroy the terrorist groups. Uh, we have to go and and modify that. Well, since October 7th, it seems as if, uh, I mean, th there are glimmers or glimpses, but it seems as if we've forgotten even the lessons that we were sort of embracing the past couple of years. Uh, we're back in the mode of uh, the belief that we can, through military aggression, there, there will be um, uh, casualties, civilian casualties, but we will destroy a force a dark force, an evil force, by uh, through violence, and um, I get. I, I guess what I want to do is, is close on a hopeful. Um, um, I hope all of this uh, tragedy uh, is not is is uh, will have uh, the redeeming value and the attention to uh, the need for uh, justice and freedom uh, in Palestine. My fear is that uh, what we're after in terms of uh, violent forces to destroy darkness could very well um, be fuel. I mean, based on what we, we've experienced with 9-11, could actually be fuel for uh, further darkness in addition to Hamas, whether it's Hezbollah, Islamic jihadists, whatever. It's, it, that's a name, right? So uh, there's a hope and a fear uh, in terms of next steps, but I, I do believe that as American, uh, as an American perspective, um, we sort of know from our 9/11 experience where this could end, mm -hmm. and it's not it's not pretty, it's not nice. Yeah, and, and thank you, Michael. Uh, and and if I may just add or comment on on this particular point. I think this is maybe one more reason why the letter is uh, is called a call to repentance. 
because you're absolutely right this is not the first time and uh even in the first time um two things happened uh people you know there was all efforts to justify this war uh even you know claiming there is weapons of mass destruction which proved to be wrong and then uh promoting democracy and freedom which is you know it, it, nothing is of that is you know it's 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 a mess right now i think it's much better right now in iraq but for years it was uh chaos and civil war and death and killing and hundreds of thousands were killed uh and you think you would learn that this is not how you solve things and back then i remember that church leaders in the Middle East pleaded, and I mean pleaded with the American administration not to do this war, knowing what it would mean, and no one listened. In the same way right now, we're pleading with the Christian world and with Americans, please don't support this war. And again, no one's listening. Um, this while they want to convince us that they care for the future of Christians in the Middle East and that they support religious freedom, Whereas our perspective is that you're doing the exact opposite by continuing to do and war and promote policies that uh, put our existence in danger and by continuing to ignore uh, our voice and prices. You know, interestingly enough, even the war in Iraq was justified as a just war using the just war theory, just as many people now are justifying this war on Gaza using the just war uh, theory. And so the word we've chosen, Michael, is this, this you know, you need to repent from uh, these attitudes, especially Christians who support this war. Um, and it's, it's, it's already too late. It's already too late. You know, many people have died. Uh, way too many people have died. This is wrong. And uh, I wish, you know, people would get it. I wish. Uh, whether church leaders, politicians, or theologians in the West would really get how much harm they're causing in the Middle East. And, you know, to be quite honest, have just the humility to listen to others and not just think you know it all uh, and, and, and get everything.